This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gon' turn up, but the defense gon' win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome to a special edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. It is a Thursday edition, I guess a uh, throwdown Thursday in this in this regard. Uh, got a very special episode. This is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, I'm your host, Corey Burton. You can find the show on social media at Believe in Dogs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find me personally uh, on Twitter at CoachBurton36. If you want to get in touch, leave feedback. Uh, you can also uh, email the show, uh, believeindogs at gmail.com. So it's, uh, you can also find us anywhere that you find your podcast, mainly Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, rate us, do whatever you got to do. Uh, I do appreciate the feedback. Got a got a big show for you. Um, it's a uh, it's a whopper of a fall camp update. I recorded uh, yesterday, and um, you know I thought I had a pretty good show laid out, and and then um, then a bomb drops, and uh, a news bomb that is, uh, and and some big news coming out of Athens. So I figured I would bring you an updated episode. So I'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, I'll I'll do a full team wrap. Uh, try to figure out where this Georgia team is heading how things are looking under new coordinator Todd Monken, uh, some things that are uh, emerging on the defense that uh, we either knew about and are not surprised or are completely surprised. But uh, Dan Lanning, again, earning a $1.25 million um, raise. Well, he got a $500,000 raise, but that's his total salary now. So speaking of money, did somebody say playoffs? <clears throat> Well, the NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back. Get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. 
And I can attest to that because uh, I played some blackjack the other night. Uh, let's just say that let's just say that it's really fun. It's got some cool music, like cool elevator music to keep you kind of going. But um, I deposited. I made my first deposit and uh, deposited a hundred dollars, and and uh, I'm up ten. So I feel like I'm winning. I feel like I'm a grand champion um, at those casino games. So head to betonline.ag today. Sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I really like blackjack, and uh, I'm going to venture into the sportsbook eventually. I think, but I just got to figure out what I want to bet on because I'm not very experienced, and I don't want to. I'm not one that's just going to open the window and toss my money out. Uh, I'm, I'm a teacher and a, and a football coach at the high school level, so I'm not necessarily going to uh, going to do that unless you know, bet online is going to going to fund fund me that uh, for for this advertisement or advertisement as they say so uh let's get to the meat of the show um fall camp update well uh georgia had a scrimmage uh this past saturday fall camp is 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 underway in full swing and uh georgia had a scrimmage and uh one of the biggest stories out of athens was of course uh the quarterback battle with jamie newman jt daniels uh the recently cleared dewan mathis and the freshman and the four-star freshman carson beck and and of course uh last year's incumbent uh, back up uh, Stetson Bennett uh, looked to be a pretty interesting quarterback race, a quarterback race that took some turns that many people probably weren't anticipating. So uh, what has unfolded since Saturday or even yesterday when I recorded uh, the first, I guess the first rough draft of this show um, was talking about how Jamie Newman, I thought Jamie Newman had the slight edge. I thought he was performing a little bit better, not much than JT Daniels. JT Daniels wasn't cleared for contact. Dewan Mathis was turning some heads. Well, some things have changed, and the dynamics have changed in the quarterback room now. Jamie Newman, if you haven't heard, you've probably heard by the time you're listening to this, that he's opted out for the 2020 season and is going to now uh, prepare for the NFL draft. So the reason, I don't know. Maybe he got some advice. Maybe he got a draft projection that he was surprised at. Maybe somebody told him he's good enough to go uh, first round, which would be, at best, the third quarterback taken behind two two guys you may have heard of, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I don't know. Um, but at best, he's going to be the third quarterback taken. Um, maybe he thinks he has a shot at that. I don't know. Um, maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Maybe this quarterback competition took a turn that he didn't like. Uh, maybe he really is concerned about COVID. I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different things. Maybe it's a combination of, of a lot of things. I don't know. Uh, maybe he realized that he was overmatched. I, I don't know. Um, maybe there's some promises that were made that were broken. That, you know, that, unless you're behind the scenes, unless you're sitting in the room in that conversation, you really have no idea. But uh, he's gonna, nonetheless, he's going to get ready for the NFL draft. Wish him the best of luck. He was uh, had a great tenure here, all of, what, three weeks of camp. Um, so, uh, Jamie Newman out the door, um, had a great career at Wake Forest, a productive career at Wake Forest, uh, not necessarily translating into wins, but then again, uh, hopefully he made himself a good bit of money while he was there. Um, and, uh, hopefully he can, uh, do well in the NFL draft and do well in the NFL. So, uh, he has a great skill set, and, uh, hopefully he can refine that and, and, you know, get back in the, the NFL good. All right. So let's talk about the quarterbacks there are here. Okay. JT Daniels. Uh, transfer from USC did a show with Ryan Dyrud of Believe in LA Football. We talked uh, we talked a little bit more in detail about JT Daniels. So if you want to hear 
a deep analysis of what JT Daniels brings to the game. Check out that episode. Um, but JT Daniels has a, a former five-star quarterback out of out of modern day, uh, signed on, actually skipped his senior year of high school and became the starter for the Trojans. He he dealt with uh, an ACL injury uh, last year, uh, still not quite cleared to play. I think that's coming any day now, probably. Um, but uh, I think uh, by the time Georgia kick off, kicks off in about three weeks, he will be cleared for contact. He's already able to scrimmage, so he's pretty close now. Um, so what does he bring to the table? Well, uh, Monken was quoted in saying that JT Daniels was more athletic than people gave him credit for. Uh, people, I guess people think that he's a, he's a statue back there, but that's just not the modern-day quarterback anymore. He, uh, there is no such thing as a statue. And, and, and also, uh, Monken said it best when he said, uh, you can't be a statue in my offense uh, and, and thrive. So uh, that was good to see uh, because I, I think it's important that you have some athleticism. Quarterbacks are athletes too. Uh, don't you know? Don't lump them in there with uh, with the non athletes. But uh, J T. Daniels has a big live arm. Uh, some accuracy issues. Uh, it's not rampant and it's not consistent. Um, but uh, sometimes he gets a little errant with his throws. Uh, but he has a big, powerful arm. Can make all the NFL throws. Um, has every bit of NFL talent. It's just a matter of can he match that up with the mental aspects of the game? Can he make the reads? Can he thrive in Monkin's offense? Uh, my guess is if Monkin can make Brandon Whedon into a first rounder, I think I think he's got uh you know, I, I think JT Daniels is gonna be just fine. However, there's another wrench into this. Dewan Mathis. If you don't know his story, if, if you're just now picking up Georgia football and you don't know the story of Dewan Mathis, maybe you didn't pay attention to him. Maybe you're not as in tune with the roster as some. Uh, but Dewan Mathis was forced to redshirt a year ago. He was uh, actually, when he signed, he was a former Ohio State commit. So you know you know he's not just a, a roster filler, uh, but he was a former Ohio State commit, four-star kid from Michigan, I believe, and a uh, dual-threat guy, big, tall, dual-threat guy. Can, can throw the ball, can make all the, can make all the proper throws. Um, so there's no, you know, it's not like he's that big, tall, stringy athlete playing quarterback. I mean, he can, he can play quarterback uh, and he can make all the throws, which, you know, some people like to, you know, stereotype those type of quarterbacks into thinking they can't really throw as well as they can. So, uh, but Dewan Mathis definitely fits the bill as a quarterback. If he's good enough for Ohio state, I think uh, there's one position that um, at least at the college level that they can evaluate is the quarterback position. Um, so I think if he's good enough, uh, to be committed there and flip, um, I think he is, uh, I think he would do just fine in our system. So he's somebody that, you know, didn't think he was ever going to play again. He had, uh, he had brain surgery, emergency brain surgery, uh, last, I think last year about this time, maybe, maybe during spring, I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, but he had, a, he had brain surgery, he had a cyst on his brain and he had to get it removed. Well, you know, the recovery for that probably, um, you know, Definitely knocked him out for the for the 2019 season, but also had his football career in jeopardy. And we weren't sure if Dewan Mathis was going to ever suit up for Georgia again. And um, and that was kind of a scary thing for for Dewan. I mean, I'm sure he he's he's wondering the same thing. I'm sure he was going through a bunch of anxiety about how he was going to recover and the things that you the anxiety that you I imagine that you have after you have a surgery of that magnitude. So. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things where he, he steps in and, um, you know, he worked really hard, uh, pardon my French here, but he worked his ass off uh, to get back and rehab. And he was actually 
uh, cleared to practice, and he was kind of like a scout team arm, kind of like a, you know, DBs need uh, need a quarterback to go throw in their drill. It was Dewan Mathis because you know he's still he's still on a long road to recovery. Well, he finally gets cleared, fully cleared, uh, for play, and so he enters into this competition. He has the quarantine period to even get more rest and 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 more ready to to show up for fall camp. Well, apparently when when they started having voluntary workouts, he was turning some heads. And he's continued to do so in his scrimmage and with his with his scrimmage reps that he got with the ones, uh, apparently is uh, is making him a, a legitimate player in, in this competition. So now you got JT versus Dewan Mathis, which honestly could go either way. And, you know, that's a good problem to have, I think. And and you know, I think ultimately it'll be JT Daniels. Um, but you, you never know. And so I, I think it's I think it's one of those things where you know, it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, they're going to there's going to be two or three more scrimmages probably. Uh, they're going to have to create some live situations uh, for these quarterbacks to kind of determine who who's going to be who. Uh, they don't have the luxury of having East Tennessee State to to use to uh, to pick a starter. Um, even in, even in a normal circumstance, they were going to uh, kick off with Virginia to to start the season. So it's not like you can roll in there and try to pick your quarterback week one. So. Uh, they're going to have to create some live situations. They're going to have to create some unique evaluation stuff, and you know, I think they're going to have to determine whether or not they want to go with uh, Dewan Mathis's best skill set or, or JT Daniels's best skill set, and 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 they're both slightly different in that regard. And uh, they're going to have to kind of figure out where they want to go with that and and how they fit. And don't count out Carson Beck either. Um, he's he's a he's a four star freshman, still a bit raw. Um, if you watched him down in Jacksonville um, at Mandarin High School, he's still a bit raw. I think he's still got a lot to learn, um, but I think he's somebody that can possibly factor into this race as well. So you never know. It's not settled. And, uh, you know, that's the beautiful thing about it. And and I think that, uh, you know, JT Daniels, you know, knew he could come in here and compete, knew he could push Newman, knew, knew that they were both in the same situation. So they were both had the same learning curve. He knew that uh, no quarterback in this system uh, had an upper hand because of the new coordinator hire. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Todd Monken has got quite the decision. Kirby's got quite the decision. This offensive staff has got quite the decision. So where does this offense go? What what does this offense look like? Well, um, I know this is extremely old news, so I'm not really going to break this news. But, um, you know, Dominic Blaylock, some really bad news on his part, tears his ACL for the second time. Um, really, really sad to see uh, a, a guy that was just coming on, uh, came on strong towards the end of the year, uh, really had a really big Auburn game uh, last year towards ACL. Uh, really sad to see because he's somebody also that poured his heart into to his rehab so that he could be ready to go this year uh, because he knew he was going to be able to do big things in this offense. Tears his ACL. Uh, you, you, just, you just hate to see it. But um, So what does the wide receiver room look like now? What is this offense going to look like now? Because I think that you take a hit on the depth. Arian Smith is already out. Uh, he has a, a he has a bad shoulder. He's going to be out. I think another three or four weeks at least. Um, and this this wide receiver room took another hit with Blaylock. So you got two two guys, two major players uh, that were going to get some playing time. You have them out. So how, how does your wide receiver room look? Does guys like Tommy Bush, Amir Speed, Matt Landers do they step up? Do they develop? Uh, does this offense help um, help accentuate their their strengths? You know, we know what we have in George Pickens, which 
Um, I heard from the scrimmage that he uh, he made a little good trouble. Um, he made some good trouble uh, with Kirby Smart. Uh, you, you know, you like the you like the fire. You like the you like the attitude. You like the cockiness. You like you like all that stuff. I mean, you know, you don't want to showboat and get a fifteen yard penalty, but you know, going in a one on one situation with your teammates, uh, you go up and get up. You go up and make a great contested catch. You come down. You talk a little trash. Uh, toss the ball at, at the at the DB and, and just create that competitive fire. I think he's. I think that's something that offense desperately needs. I think that the offense needs somebody like that. Needs a fireball like that. Needs a guy that can go up and make the tough catches. I mean, you know, Pickens is a do it all guy. I mean, I've seen Pickens' skill set compared to guys like AJ Green. Fair or unfair? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I think he's certainly on the road there if he keeps his head on straight. And uh, if we don't have any more incidents like. Georgia Tech, where I think that really severely hurt the team. I think had he been available in the first half of the LSU game, maybe things are different. Maybe it's tighter. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if he helps us or not. I don't know if he gives us a threat out there that that maybe allows us to go uh, score for score with LSU, at least in the first half. I mean, LSU was just a machine, so I, I don't know that we beat them anyway, but um it certainly would have been more interesting had Pickens been in the game, but Pickens is a guy that's going to make a, he's going to make a tough catch in, in the middle of the field. He's going to, he's going to go up on a deep, he's going to go up on a jump ball. He's going to come down with it. 50, 50 balls. He's going to make catches in traffic. He, he's a guy that can make a catch turn, run through three defenders, drag them to the end zone. Did that against Missouri. Um, he's a guy that can just make any catch you need. Um, you know, might be since Jamar chase opted out might be the best receiver left in the sec. Um, I'm excited to watch him play, but I'm curious to know it's going to be Pickens and blank. Who who those guys are going to step up? Well, I've heard Kyrus Jackson. He's a guy that's stepping up. I think he's somebody that can play a role in special teams as well as a return guy, but he he's he's stepping up a little bit. Um, maybe he can give us some, some, some stuff in the slot. Maybe he can move around, you know, and, and create matchup problems there. So Kyrus Jackson is somebody that's, that's having a really good fall camp. He, he's, He's a name that's popping up, uh, and, and keep in mind, Monken is not as widely still unfamiliar with a lot of this personnel. So, uh, for him to name, for him to be able to single guys out, that's a good thing. Um, you know, you talk about these freshman receivers; they they brought in a trio. Uh, they brought in Arian Smith, Jermaine Burton, and uh, Marcus Roseme. Well, Arian Smith goes down. I've heard Burton is is the is the guy uh, of the freshman receivers. Uh, Roseme came in. Uh, as the highest as the highest rated or, or or best talent, but I think Jermaine Burton is is starting to kind of get himself closer to the lineup, and uh, you know I think you're going to have to count on both of those guys, especially if you're going to go ten personnel. Uh, I think you're going to have to count on both of those guys uh, with Kyrus Jackson. Uh, I, I don't think Matt Landers can do it. I don't know anything about Tommy Bush. I don't know anything about Amir Speed. I don't know anything about any of the the receivers that are on the roster uh, on down the depth chart. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see who steps up. Is there going to be a guy that we've never heard of that you're, that you're looking out there and saying, who is this guy and, and stepping up? I hope so. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I just don't anticipate that. So uh, what, what's the receiver room going to look like? Well, I think it's going to be Pickens, Jackson, and then probably Burton if you're going to go three receivers, uh, like 11 personnel. But I think if you go 10 personnel, which is, uh, which is one back, four receivers, I think you could go uh, – Burton, Roseme, uh, Pierce Jackson, and of course George Pickens. And George Pickens can move all around uh, the formation. Also, um, 
you know, you can go 20 personnel and put him in like a 10 personnel type type formation and uh, throw James Cook in there. Put James Cook in the slot. Let him be in the game with, with Zeus at the same time. I think Monken is somebody that's creative enough to, to make that happen. I think James Cook is skilled enough to be able to run routes um, as a receiver and also to be able to uh, live as a between the tackles back, uh, between the tackles back too. I don't, I don't think he's like a 30 carry uh, eye formation bruiser um, like Georgia's kind of used to, like with Chubb and Sony Michelle, guys like that. I, I don't think James Cook is that guy. I don't think he has to be that guy. I think James Cook can be kind of like what you what you see in Austin Eckler at the NFL level. I mean, Eckler's going to be a, a 18 to 20 carry guy, going to catch five or six balls a game, uh, probably going to probably going to have about 250 total offense uh, most games, probably score you a pair of touchdowns, you know, a very productive, very productive running back. Um, and, and so I think I think that uh, – I think Cook can be that guy. Um, and I think that if they're going to go in like 10 personnel type sets, I think you don't really lose anything by putting James Cook in the slot. So maybe that opens that door. Okay. Maybe that, maybe they look at 20 personnel, put James Cook in the backfield um, and then have their three receivers uh, and, and then, and then try to figure that out. I mean, they did some pretty interesting stuff uh, when he had Edo Smith um, and, and I don't know who else was on that Southern Miss roster. I, I really don't follow Southern Miss football, um, especially back in 2015, but, um, I watched some of their highlights to kind of get an idea of what Todd Monken was going to bring, um, because I think that's probably the best representation of the personnel that we have. We have two great running backs that are going to be the centerpiece of our offense. We are running back you. So uh, you have James Cook. Uh, you have Zeus. Okay, Zamir White. Uh, Zamir White is more of your prototypical tailback. I think he's kind of like, um, you know, I always, I don't know why I keep circling back to the Chargers, uh, but I do. Uh, but the Chargers last year had Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. They 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 shared carries. They were almost an equal share. And they would uh, I think the Chargers did a really good job last year with with Gordon and get Gordon and Eckler in the in the ball game at the same time uh, with different unique uh, twenty personnel type packages. Um, much like I said with James Cook, I think Georgia can do that uh, with you know with uh, Cook and 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 White. And I think. Uh, Monken saw it a little bit last year with uh, Kareem Hunt after Week Eight with Kareem Hunt, and, Kareem Hunt, excuse me, and Nick Chubb. Uh, Kareem Hunt is more like the James Cook mold, and uh, Nick Chubb obviously is more favorable to uh, Zamir White. So I think you're going to see some creative stuff like that. I think you're going to see some things where uh, you get in like that split backfield, or or even like line up uh, James Cook as the quote fullback who's standing next to the quarterback and put Zamir White in the pistol directly behind the quarterback you can do so many unique things you can you can flare out james cook on on, on like a uh, on like a bubble screen uh and you can run like a bubble a uh, zone like a zone read bubble screen like a zone triple almost uh where it's not really a triple but because the quarterback's not really going to carry the ball but it's either going to be give the inside zone you're going to read that overhang player probably if he if he freezes and we get lever and they get leverage on him they just flip it out there to cook and let cook run uh, but I think there's going to be some more creative ways to get the ball to Cook in space, which is what I think you need to do. I think outside of Pickens, Cook is your best player. Cook is your most dynamic player, uh, I think. He was vastly, vastly, vastly underutilized um, in his time in Athens. And I think it's just because he didn't fit the mold of what the offensive philosophy was at that time, with uh, starting with Jim Chaney, moving to 
James Coley. Uh, I, I don't think he kind of fit with that because they needed more of a prototypical eye formation and tailback. And so I, I think it's something that, you know, he fits better in uh, with that, with those roles. So um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with James Cook. I'm excited to see what the 20 personnel package is going to look like. Uh, but who's after, who's after Zeus? Who's after Cook? Um, you know, I'm hearing great things about Kenny McIntosh. I'm hearing great things about Kendall Milton. I think those two guys are, are, are the next, are the next tandem of the future. I think Diwan Edwards is somebody that, uh, that can make some noise. He's somebody that's, that's having a good camp. I, I don't know that he, I don't know that he cracks the three deep, but I think, you know, I think McIntosh is next after, after cook, um, or after, uh, after Zeus, I think Milton comes in also. I think, I think you could see UGA carry, uh, four running backs and, and get significant time, especially if they're doing 20 personnel type stuff. I think you need to have four solid backs ready to roll. Um, and I think they have that with, uh, McIntosh and Milton. I think McIntosh and Milton could be every, every bit as good as Zeus and cook. I mean, cook has good, um, good lineage with, uh, with his brother Dalvin, but, um, I think you can have every bit of, of that with, with them. So be interesting to see what, what Monken does with that. Um, I think he's got some, some weapons, some unknown weapons, but I think he's got some weapons at his disposal. So, um, I, I, uh, you know, I think that's interesting. Uh, what about tight ends? Well, tight ends is a huge question mark um, in this offense. You know, you lose uh, you lose so much production two years ago with Isaac Nauta leaving uh, for the NFL draft, probably probably a little prematurely, but you know, that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, got drafted in the seventh round. I think is sitting on the practice squad with the Detroit Lions um, after Detroit after Detroit. Selected a tight end, eighth overall. I don't think you're going to, barring injury or COVID or whatever, I don't think you're going to crack that crack that too deep. Um, or at least I don't think you're going to get significant time there because Hawkinson is a guy they've invested in. So I, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to do that. But uh, this is not the Detroit Lions podcast. So um, I'll, I'll get off of that. But, um, you know, what do the tight ends look like right now? Well, let's say they go 11 personnel. Maybe they go 21 personnel where they go the split backfield with a tight end and two receivers. That's certainly a look, too. You have Kyrus, Pickens, and then, of course, the guy they call Big O. Uh, Big O. Uh, since they um, made the digit zero legal, uh, Darnell Washington is the first to don the, the Big O, the zero. Um, Darnell Washington looks like an NBA player, uh, 6'7", 260. Um, moves like an NBA player, which I think is a I think is an ultimate compliment because uh, personally I think those guys are the best athletes in the world. Uh, to be to be six seven, six eight, six nine, all the way up to seven two, and and move and jump and run like those guys do, it's incredible. And I think Darnell Washington fits in right with that. Um, so Darnell Washington also turning some heads, um, getting the attention of his teammates. Anytime you get a nickname um, that's not derogatory <laughs> as a freshman. Uh, you're doing some big things, and I think Darnell Washington is is starting to make a name for himself. He's a humongous presence out there uh, at the tight end position. I think he's going to be a matchup problem for for anybody. I mean, do you drop a safety in there? I don't know. He's six seven. You cover him with a linebacker and try to try to try to jam him at the line of scrimmage. Do you try to disrupt him and 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 hope that uh, the uh, transition from Bishop Gorman to uh, to college to the SEC is uh is a rough one or maybe you know they think he's coming from Bishop Gorman and maybe they just didn't see the level of competition because well they're Bishop Gorman and they're in a state where it's Bishop Gorman 
a, a Grand Canyon and then everybody else. Um, and so uh, they rely on the two or three national games for, for good competition. I don't know. But Darnell Washington is going to be a matchup problem for anybody. But um, like any tight end, you just got to you just got to get in their chest and, and hope that they play, play with bad pad level. But um, who who else uh, who else is at that position besides Darnell Washington? Well, you lose Charlie Warner. Charlie Warner was your le- was your best blocker. Um, he was your best true tight end. Where stick his hand in the ground, you know he's going to be a reliable run blocker. You know he's going to be reliable in a max protect scheme, uh, and you know he's going to run good enough routes. And he was going to just kind of be there um, if you needed him as a safety net. Um, but uh, who's going to be that guy? Well, Ryland Goad, um, I think, could be possibly that guy, uh, the Charlie Warner role where he's coming in as possibly a fullback some, an H-back, or you know, he throws in you know heavy run situations. I don't know. Uh, Trey McKitty comes over from Florida State, more of a receiver type. Um, so they're going to have some evaluation to do with those guys because I think they all bring unique skill sets. I mean, the thought is Donner Washington, built like an NBA player, can do – all of the above, but we just don't know because he's a freshman. Can't count on a freshman. Uh, so Trey McKitty, the grad transfer from Florida State, uh, Riley Goad uh, coming in as a sophomore. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think those three guys are are, are the three names that are going to stand out. I think those three guys are going to be the ones that get significant playing time. Um, obviously, there there's other ones on the on the board or in that room, but. You know, Todd Hartley is doing a tremendous job at recruiting that position. I think he's doing a good job at uh, slowly but surely developing that position. I think he's getting more talent there. So I think there's going to be, you know, you're going to start to kind of see that. And I think the philosophy, I think we're finally going to, you know, have a quarterback that's willing to attack the middle of the field. We're going to have a quarterback that's willing to uh, not not rely on the fact that, um, okay, here's my crutch. I'm going to make a sideline back shoulder throw. That's my crutch. Um you know, you're going to have a guy that's going to make NFL-style throws, which is going to have to be uh, read progressions, uh, put ball in tight windows, uh, throw over the middle some, throw in tight, like I said, throw in tight windows, uh, throw guys open, anticipate, uh, be able to uh, be able to supplement the offensive coordinator uh, in uh, 25% of the situations, I think, or 75% of good calls and in good situations, the coordinator puts you in. There's 25% of it that's bad or horrible um, or a combination of both, and, and I think it's up to the quarterback. I think you have to have a really good trust in your quarterback to be able to get you out of those situations. So uh, that gets interesting. So uh, what are you going to do there? Well, you got to have a great tight end to be able to attack the middle of the field. you got to have a great tight end that if they're going to drop a safety down in the box or they're going to drop a bigger, uh, a more hybrid linebacker, to, to try to cover him, you gotta you gotta be able to make him pay, and I think the big O is somebody that can make him pay. So uh, that's the offense, that's the skill positions. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of twenty personnel, twenty one personnel uh, mostly. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a ton of eleven personnel. I don't think you're going to see a ton of ten personnel, um, depending on how those freshmen, depending on how those freshmen progress, depending on what Arian Smith can do when he comes back or if he comes back depending on what some guys uh, down the line in that wide receiver room look like. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, just pass the, pass the time and just keep recruiting at that position, just keep backfilling. I don't know. Uh, but I don't, I don't anticipate seeing a lot of 10 personnel. Um, if you do see 10 personnel type looks, it's actually probably 20 personnel, um, but you're doing 10 personnel type formation. So um, that's going to include James Cook, and, and you got to find unique ways to get them get them in the game. You could even do twenty personnel, 
with, I mean, technically it'd be 30 personnel, but you could, you could give a 20, uh, an open 20 personnel look with James Cook in the slot. Uh, and then you bring in McIntosh with Zeus and you can, you know, take advantage of your best personnel. So there's a lot of creative things. There's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of creativity you can have uh, for that. And so I'm excited to see what Moncton brings to the table. I'm excited to see who wins that uh, quarterback battle. I think, uh, you know, if I'm putting my, my, my money on it, I might go to betonline.ag and, and make a bet if they have a prop for this. But I'm going to put my money on JT. Um, I will put my money on JT. I, I, I will, I'm rooting for Dewan. I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for. Uh, I'm rooting for it to be a tough battle and a tough decision because it means they both showed out, and uh, that's always that's always rough on coaches. It's. I mean, you know, being a coach, it's that's the, that's the hardest thing when you're evaluating two guys, and uh, you just don't quite know because they're both really good, and you could go, you could you feel like you could win with either. So, I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be JT. I think JT. I think JT is a is a great pro talent. Um, it's just a matter of can he master the mental aspects of it. Um, he struggled with that at USC. Um, don't know that. Don't know that uh, Clay Helton was is, is the best situation to be in. I think Slovis is going to be somebody that's going to be their version of Jake Fromm. Um, Ryan Dyru did a uh, did a good job of comparing that. Uh, he's going to be their their Jake Fromm. So. Uh, knowing what we know about our Jake Fromm, he seemed to have regressed every single year. So um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, whatever. So um, that being said, let's take a look at the the hog situation. Who's going to be protecting whoever wins this quarterback battle? Who's going to be opening up run lanes for Zeus and James Cook? Who's going to be, uh, I guess that's all you can do is protect the quarterback and make run lanes. Who's going to be pulling on screens uh, for, for Pickens? <laughs> there you go. Uh, which guards are going to be pulling around? Well, we we know four of the we know four of the spots. Um, they are uh, taken by by upperclassmen. Uh, Trey Hill obviously going to going to come in man the center position. Uh, you have Justin Schaefer and Ben Cleveland at your guards, uh, left and right respectively. Uh, then you have Jamari Sawyer. Uh, no surprise there. Going to come in at uh, at left tackle. Kind of reminds me of Isaiah Wynn. Uh, <clears throat> Which I think, if you're going to compare him to somebody, I think that's probably a pretty good comparison. I think Isaiah Wynn was a first round pick, so it's pretty good, pretty good comparison, I think. But he reminds me a lot of Isaiah Wynn, so uh, you know, I, I think having that figured out is is a good situation. Uh, right tackle, we don't know, we don't know what we have at right tackle. Uh, there, that's that's the one that's up in the air. That's the battle that that most people are looking at um, and 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 kind of waiting to see with anticipation who's going to get that spot. Is it Owen Condon? Is it Warren? Is it Warren McClendon? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, McClendon is somebody that's definitely, uh, you know, I think that's somebody that's definitely uh, making some noise there. Uh, Owen Condon um, has has been the most talked about um, at that position. Uh, Owen Condon, um, if you're wondering, he's been drawing comparisons to. Uh, he's been drawing comparisons to Dennis Rowland. Who Dennis Rowland uh, played for a long time with the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, late round selection, a guy that just stuck in the NFL mostly because he's six ten, uh, three oh five, three ten. Uh, but he, he's a huge offensive lineman. Uh, but I, I think it's somebody that uh, that does have some staying power um, in the league. So I, I think it's somebody that can that can definitely make some noise um, over there. So Owen Condon, I think, um, is the guy. He's the front runner. Uh, honestly, uh, 
he's the front runner at that position. Uh, he needs to get a little bit stronger. Probably needs to make sure he can get in shape and and be stronger um, throughout the course of the game and, and remain strong and and be be in good shape. I think that's something that a lot of these offensive linemen are concerned with. But Owen Condon is somebody who I felt like has kind of come out of nowhere because you know you're starting to think about these stud freshmen that uh, that we bring in and and you know I was talking with Dane Young from UJSports.com doing the offensive preview back in uh, back in late June. And we were talking about the offensive line position. Owen Condon wasn't even a name that was even registering on the radar. I mean, it was two freshmen sitting over there. Um, you know, Tate Ratlitz was somebody that was that was a big name in 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 that competition. And, and he's certainly he's certainly vying for it too. I think he certainly got a chance as well. Uh, but I think right now it's Owen Condon uh, and and uh, McClendon, and then uh, I think Warren Erickson's getting some some looks. I think uh, Clay Webb. Uh, is, is making some noise to be a rotational guy at the guard spot uh, should Justin Schaefer, um, who is recovering from injury, uh, should he need a break. I think that's somebody that can go that can go in as well. So uh, just, you know, just a quick update on the offensive line position. I, I think it's going to be interesting uh, not only to see how this quarterback situation unfolds, but to see how the right tackle game um, unfolds, because I think it's going to be I think it's going to be imperative for the run game. It's going to be imperative for pass protection. Uh, to get your tackle set, and I think you have, I think you have the left side set with Sawyer. Um, it's important to get the the right side set with uh, with whoever that may be: Condon, Erickson, Clendon, Ratledge, whoever whoever comes out of the pile um, as whoever comes to the top of the pile. That's that's got to happen. All right. Speaking of offensive line, or speaking of defense, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, Dan Lanning um, got a five hundred thousand dollar raise. He's now uh, one point two five million. Uh, Doing everything we can to keep him. Uh, I, I don't blame him. Uh, he's built, he's built the uh, the nation's top defense uh, from a year ago. Uh, ever since, ever since he took when he took over uh, after Mel Tucker left, uh, he improved in every st- statistical category. Had Georgia at number one in most of the important defensive uh, categories. Uh, I think there was one third place finish. I don't even know. Uh, it, it probably wasn't as big of a stat, but. Um, it helps when you have the talent and, and, and recruiting obviously helps. Uh, okay. So let's not, let's not just dismiss that point completely. You know, when you have, when you have the talent that Georgia has, especially in the defensive backfield uh, and especially, well, at all levels, actually um, when you, when you have that kind of talent, it, it gets kind of easy to call defensive games, but I, you know, to not allow a run, rushing touchdown until the Auburn game, which is mid November, is impressive to be. Uh, I think they average twelve points a game, giving up twelve points a game. Unreal. Um, I think their average uh, yards per carry, I think, was like two. It was something ridiculous. Like teams couldn't rush. Uh, I think at one point, um, late in the Texas A&M game, it was wet, soggy first half. They had minus one yards rushing, um, and. They didn't even pass the ball all that much, uh, so you can't account sacks in there because I don't think we got much uh, pass rushing pressure on uh, on Texas A&M's quarterback, which I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, but uh, I think they were just so stingy against the run. So uh, very impressive uh, performance last year by the defense. Can they repeat it? I don't know. But Dan Lanning got a raise, uh, certainly earned it, and we'll see if uh, – We'll see if he sticks around for the long term. I, I think uh, on that note, I think you're starting to see a lot of these coordinators stick around. 
I think you're seeing, um, you know, with the salaries the way they are, I think you're starting to see more long-term coordinators. I think you're starting to see guys that maybe were interested in being the next head coach at Georgia State, but when you're making $1.5 million as a coordinator and you're not dealing with the pressures of, a, of being a head coach, why wouldn't you stay somewhere like Georgia or why wouldn't you stay somewhere like Clemson and, and make $2.3 million as Brent Vettables? Or why wouldn't you stay somewhere like LSU, uh, like Dave Aranda, making like almost $3 million, um as a coordinator? Why wouldn't you stay there? Bud Foster at, at Virginia Tech, why wouldn't you stay there? I mean, you made a name for yourself and you make a great living doing so. And if you love the community you live in, and if you feel like your head coach is stable um, in his in his job, which I think some of the instability kind of factors in there, but if you feel like you're in a stable situation, which Dan Lanning is, why would you leave? And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's different circumstances, but I, I don't see why he would leave. Um, honestly, if, if you're in a situation that you love and you're making that much money, uh, it would be hard. I'd be hard-pressed to leave at that point. But then again, um, you know, the Longhorns could – could fire Herman and, and come calling on Dan Lanning and uh, you know, they could pay him eight billion a year to come be the head coach of the Texas Longhorns and off you go to Austin. And I certainly wouldn't blame you. I, I would be happy for you. Um if he wants to pursue a head coaching job, I you know, I I would support Dan Lanning. Um I think he's earned that. I wouldn't blame him one bit if he left to become a head coach somewhere. Um wouldn't blame him one bit. You know, that's the goal I think every coach has, just about is to at least attempt to be a head coach or at least have one stop as a head coach. I think eventually Venables may leave, but again, be the right situation. Kirby waited for what he felt like was the right situation and, and got it. So there's something to being patient anyway. Um, so what does Dan Lanning have coming back? Well, we know what he has coming back in Richard LeCount. Richard LeCount is, uh, I, I think the only reason he's not kidding so much draft buzz is because he's not flashy. And the reason he's not flashy is because he has such great instincts that he's not making these spectacular plays. He's making what would be a spectacular play look routine because he's just there, Johnny on the spot. Um, but he is a big-time player. I think uh, throughout the course of the season, I think you'll see him rise on all these draft boards. Um, you know, you have Monty Rice, at inside linebacker. Um, I think somebody that's going to uh, – he's a great college player. I think he'll be a good late-round uh, selection for somebody. I think he's – you know, some I think he's your prototypical uh, bowling ball, compact, uh, downhill linebacker. I think uh, somebody in a tough run defense, I, I think of Monty Rice, you know, coming downhill. Uh, one of my favorite Monty Rice plays was uh, Mississippi State 2017. I think it was Monty's, Monty Rice's freshman year, maybe. Maybe it was sophomore year. Uh, I think. I, I can't remember. Uh, him, and, him and LeCount came in the same class. But... Uh, Mississippi State's getting ready to score. It's the end of the game. Uh, they're getting ready to score. Uh, preserving a shutout. Uh, big hole opens up. You know, you think, you think, running back, here he comes. Touchdown. You know, what looked to be a, a blowout and shutout uh, was going to be ruined just by, and it was just going to be a blowout. Uh, Monty Rice comes through out of, it seemed like out of nowhere, and just destroyed the guy. And uh, I don't, you know, Kirby went nuts. Uh, the whole stadium went nuts. Um, and it's like the late fourth quarter of the blowout. And usually people are going, trying to beat traffic. But, you know, that that's my Monty Rice story. Um, but he's coming back. You have Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojolari, uh, N'Kobe Dean. 
Quay Walker, I think, all are going to make uh, be factors. I think Jordan Davis at the nose guard position, uh, Malik Herring, Trayvon Walker. Then you have uh, also Eric Stokes, who's going to be, I think, a mid-round guy at corner. DJ Daniel, uh, Tyreek Stevenson, uh, Mark Webb uh, playing that playing that star role or that nickel role, um, and then a uh, couple couple of guys that uh, I'm not surprised uh, that are that are standing out uh, that are emerging as superstars. But we'll, the, the things that the people I told you are the known commodities. Okay, uh, some of the relative unknown commodities. I mean, around the circles in Athens, this guy's not unknown by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but had a great bowl game. Um, and is really making a name for himself in camp, uh, being described as a devastating hitter. Lewis Seen, uh, Dane and I talked about, and everyone I've talked about um, has raved about Lewis Seen and, and calling him the next big superstar. Um, he's turning heads in camp, uh, just just incredible. Uh, he's turning into the next Greg Blue, Thomas Davis type, where um, receivers are going to be fearful of entering the middle of the field. I think he's athletic enough to be able to cover those guys in a man-to-man situation. I think he's physical enough to get down in the box and and, and be nasty in the run game. Um, but I think Lewis Seen is going to be uh, the unsung hero of this, of this defense. You know, had there not be so many stars um, around him, you know, you might be looking at potential All-American honors for him. But uh, I, I think he's going to be somebody that's going to be a key cog in this defense, and he's going to have to be. Uh, so hopefully he uh, continues to live up to that. We'll see. It's a 10-game SEC schedule. It's a brutal schedule, especially at the start. So we'll see how that, you know, we'll kind of see how that um, um, develops. There's a difference between camp and there's a difference between a full SEC game. So we'll see how that pro- uh, progresses, but so far, so good uh, in that regard. Uh, somebody that's really surprising, well, I think he's surprising because I, I don't think anybody realized he would make this type of impact this soon, uh, and that's Jalen Carter um, as a, you know, as a defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman, so a nose guard. Um, I, I don't think anybody realized he was going to make this big an impact. Well, th- there's a, there's a, I don't want to, I don't want to be quick to call it viral, but there's a clip going, there's a clip going on, uh, going around on uh, Jalen Carter. He, uh, he took a rep against senior center uh, Trey Hill and, and what's called the board drill. What, what a board drill is, is you literally you put down a board, which uh, some of these uh, football equipment manufacturers have made. Uh, boards that are a little bit wider um, that are meant for this drill uh, used to be just you throw a two by four down and say all right who's the king of this board who's going to drive their guy off this board and uh, there's no slinging no no throwing none of that you have to push them to the end of the board well Jalen Carter steps up going against a senior Jalen Carter's a true freshman going against a senior ball snapped he comes off the ball and just destroys him uh, just just throws him, basically drives him back um, really quickly, uh, gets under his pads and just and, and just forklifts him um, off of the board. And uh, people are going crazy. And it's just one of those things where you're scratching your head. You're like, you know, you, you think back to Larry Munson. My God, a freshman. And, and you're sitting there. You're really saying, my God, the kid's a freshman. And he's doing that to a senior who's been in the program for three years and some change. He's been in the program. He's been in the strength and conditioning program with with uh, Coach Sinclair. And holy cow, he's pushing him around like that. That's impressive. So I'm, I'm wondering what kind of impact he can make on Saturdays um, at the nose guard position. I'm excited to see that. 
Uh, I'm curious to see who's going to come uh, emerge out of that defensive line room. We know what we have in Malik Herring. Okay, we we know what we have in Trayvon Walker, um, who's still uh, who's still pretty raw, but he can uh, he can make some plays too. He's he's kind of one of those uh, feast or famine type defensive linemen. Um, as you saw, he missed Joe Burrow twice on the same play. Uh, kind of embarrassing, but um, he's one of those feast or famine type guys. And then you have a list of uh, sophomores. Uh, Time on uh, Mitchell, uh, Zion Logue. Uh, then you have Notori Johnson, and then uh, some other guys that I think are are sitting there lingering in there uh, that that haven't quite made the impact. Uh, Julian Rochester, uh, somebody that needs to kind of step in and 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 really make some noise there at the defensive defensive line room. Uh, you know, you you got a bunch of guys that are okay that could probably play a few plays if you need them. Um, I'm I'm thinking with that position. Um, just with uh, your nose guards, I think it might be best practice to rotate those guys um, and just keep those keep those two fresh because I think you're going to need Jordan Jordan Davis down the stretch of this SEC schedule. Um, Jalen Carter, somebody who's obviously proving that he can more than handle himself, uh, and then you're going to need some of these guys down the line to to contribute and and to be able to rotate in and and not not be such a huge drop off. So. Um, going to be interesting to see how those guys develop. Trey Scott's got his hands full because I think he's got a lot of potential, just not a lot of production and not a lot of what we know of guys that can step in there and get after it. So, um, but before I leave you guys, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I stand. That's kind of how I see this uh, fall camp update. That's kind of how I see things progressing with this team. I, I guess you could call that my preview. That's kind of like my updated preview. Um, but um, as we go, more uh, more of that stuff to come, I think, is going to be um, interesting um, as, as we go and uh, kind of see some of the updates and things like that. So uh, keep it locked to Twitter. Um, I will be tweeting um, different things as I see them. Um, you know, this whole quarterback situation was something that I felt like uh, deserved its own big episode. Uh, didn't have any big guests this week. I got some got some things in the work in the works, but don't have anything. Uh, didn't have anything this week. Had some. Uh, had some new technology upgrades uh, that I was getting set up, uh, which is why I've only uh, I'm only going to release one episode this week, but that's okay. I'm going to be back uh, better than ever uh, next week, so um, it's going to be uh, going to be a fun one. Uh, going to be a fun season, I think. If it if it gets off uh, if it gets off without a hitch, I think you're going to see uh, this conference only thing become very very interesting. I don't think it's something that needs to happen on a regular basis, but um, I think it's something that's going to be kind of fun to watch. So, and fun because it's different. Uh, some of the rule changes, initial rule changes. Uh, before I leave you, uh, targeting is is kind of the same. There were no changes to the targeting rule from an on-field officiating perspective. Um, it, it's going to be uh, changing player behavior in terms of use of helmet. The change for 2020 is now a player uh, disqualified for targeting will be declared ineligible for further participation in the game but the player may remain in the team area. So it used to be they have to take them off the field and escort them in the locker room. That is no longer the case. And I don't know how, I don't know if that's just a 2020 COVID thing or not, um, but they, they're going to remain outside. Um, all of their disqualifying fouls, such as fighting, two unsportsmanlike conducts, uh, flagrant personal fouls will be reclassified as fouls requiring ejection. Um, players ejected will be required to leave the playing enclosure must remain out of the view of field of play under team supervision. Um, 
pregame warm-up, uh, the rules committee addresses issues of unsportsmanlike behavior in the pregame and took steps to clean this action up. The officials' uh, jurisdiction will now begin at 90 minutes before kickoff, previously 60. Additionally, when any squad member enters the playing enclosure prior to the game, the head coach or assistant coach from that team must be present on the field. Furthermore, when any squad member is present within the playing enclosure after the official's jurisdiction, they must be wearing their jersey or have their numeral readily visible. Players without their numeral readily visible must leave the playing enclosure. So uh, that's going to take place 90 minutes before kickoff. So they're going to have to get those guys, if they're out walking around, they're going to have to be wearing their jersey. Um, defensive lineman on scrimmage kick plays um, to further enhance the protection of the snapper. Uh, the offense, if the offense is in the scrimmage kick formation at the snap, any defense player within one yard of the line of scrimmage must be aligned completely outside the frame of the body of the snapper at the snap. This change paired with the current rule that doesn't allow the defense to initiate contact with the snapper until one second has elapsed on these type plays will further protect the snapper on those punt downs. And then instant replay, clock adjustment, review time. Clock expires at the end of the half. And replay determines that there was time remaining on the clock. The clock would start on the referee signal after the review. There must be at least three seconds remaining when the ball has been should have been declared dead to restore time on the clock. Uh, so um, those are some of the rules. Uh, second jersey meeting all require all requirements of jersey rule must be worn concurrently is allowed. Penalty for not complying with the jersey rule um, is 15 yards after the kickoff of each half. A defensive team substitution infraction will now be treated as a live ball foul. Uh, all fouls must have an option to carry over to the succeeding kickoff. Will also contain an option to carry over to the succeeding spot on extra points or in extra periods. So, a um, couple of things. Um, not really anything substantial, I don't think. Um, so, uh, those are just those are kind of some that just stood out to me a little bit. So. Uh, but anyway, uh, with that being said, I appreciate you listening to the show. If you have not caught up on on uh, previous episodes, please do so. I think there's a lot of good, interesting guests uh, that have been on the show um, since we started. Uh, go check out Syllabus Day to see kind of what we're all about. Uh, make your way through uh, through the episodes. I think you'll find that um, each guest brings a unique perspective, and uh, and each guest was was pretty good. And so I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's been a fun ride so far. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that um, you need to subscribe. You need to hit us up, follow us on social media, um, and, and, and get on the Believe Train. I, I think the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast um, is, is going, uh, is continuing an upward trend. I think, uh, you know, we have uh, the SEC uh, family of, of shows is growing on the Believe Network. Uh, believe in Vanderbilt football. They're doing a tremendous job. Uh, believe in everything Ole Miss is a brand new show with Jordan Dollinger. Believe in everything Auburn. Uh, believe in Kentucky with uh, Vinny Hardy. Uh, we had him on as a guest. Uh, so I think it's something that's uh, I think it's something that's growing. So there's a lot of good content. Uh, Hog Talk, uh, which is uh, which is the newest member of the Believe SEC family. Uh, they're gonna. I'm actually. We're gonna do an episode called Hogs and Dogs. Um, here in the near future. So uh, we're going to, we're going to stay tuned to that. That's something that I'm working on right now, just nailing down a time. So uh, that being said, want to thank our sponsor, betonline.ag. Check them out, especially if you want to uh, visit their sports book. Uh, but for me, as of right now, I like their casino and that's kind of what draws me in, but eventually I'm going to try the sports book myself. So I want to thank them um, as well. Uh, didn't have any guests today, so uh, nobody to thank in that regard, but I thank you as a listener 
for tuning in and making me part of your day or evening, uh, uh, hopefully making your drive somewhere that much more pleasant. And and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you catch up on previous shows and hope you uh, subscribe so that you can get the future shows um, as we progress. But um, for that and with that being said, I want to give you guys a nice, hearty go dogs. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.